everybody, welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford, and when I'm not outside attempting to adventure, I'm probably inside writing about it. And I'm Peter Glassford. I'm a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach. So I have to admit, this week I've definitely actually been more adventuring inside on the trainer because we have a lot of snow here. So pretty excited to be going where the snow isn't for the next week or so. Well, and also the listeners will be happy to hear you're you're taking a little bit of downtime from your running. It's maybe convenient with the amount of snow we have, but uh, sometimes mother nature is guiding you towards the things you should do. That sounds so holistic, Peter. I'm so impressed. Charge extra for that, I guess. Yes, as my my knee heals, my coach and I finally realized it was clearly not getting better with just like a day or two off of running and then coming back and starting up. So I'm now off of running for a little bit over a week. Probably won't be doing a ton of running where we're going, although we'll be doing plenty of hiking and other adventuring. So Peter, I don't know if I told you about this, but the town we're going to be in has aerial silk classes. I think you did mention that. I'm pretty uh, excited. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just the, imagining. The, the wrappings around the groinal area, I find it <laughs> uncomfortable. But, I'm just saying. I mean, rock climbing's the same, though, really. They have that. It always happens. Everyone should probably keep an eye on my Instagram, because I'm imagining just, like, rom- like rom-com levels of Peter getting stuck in the aerial silks, like, 20 feet in the air kind of situations. Right. Right. <laughs> Um, but anyway, what have you been up to this week, Peter? Um, still just trucking away on end of season and new clients starting up. It's been really cool. It's very thankful as we, our last episode, very thankful for clients and everyone who's interested in just sort of, you know, following the quote unquote smart athlete, uh, philosophy. Yeah. Lifestyle. I was going to say lifestyle, but I'm like, that. that's not how I usually call it. Um, yeah, so I mean, that's I've just been working away on that. So lots of intake forms and, you know, learning about what people have done and, you know, trying to just make those small changes. You know, we were talking mm-hmm. about this morning, New Year's resolutions and stuff, uh, trying to get people. So it's, you know, it almost seems slow this time of year, right? So I feel like my monotonous, uh, monotone voice, monotonous and monotone voice uh, is, is being used a lot right now, just trying to keep people, you know, we have time. Mm-hmm. The nice thing is a lot of these folks are getting started ahead of the new year. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, even for a fall race, right? We're five, six months. So just Although, you know what? start putting the deposits in the bank. I was interviewing. Hay is in the barn. We're trying to put the hay. Yeah. I was interviewing someone yesterday for an episode that'll come out in a couple of weeks. And she mentioned that as of right now, we're about 15 weeks out of Redlands, uh, the big, you know, cycling stage race for, you know, pro racers. And I was just struck by that. Because for some reason, when you say four months out, I'm like, oh, that's tons of time. 15 weeks, though? I'm like, ah! Yeah, there's definitely some variation there. I I don't think I'm working with any elite road people at the moment, which is, I guess, sort of a relief because my we got lots of time. I can keep telling myself that because I think I also start panicking once it's like... February and I'm like, no, it's cool. Everyone will be okay. It's okay. It's only you're all, you're, you're, all, you're all doing great. Could you just a little bit more? A little bit more. <laughs> and then Peter's hiding under his desk. Meanwhile, this is I admit my favorite time of year. I know a lot of people make fun of the cliche, you know, ten ways to stay healthy during the holidays or, you know, five ways to keep your resolutions articles, but I love writing them. 
I was going to say, you do a lot of them. I'm going to come I have, I have say, about one in me. I mean, I'm maybe a fifth the writer you are, but uh, I do a bit of writing. And I, I have to say, it's... I could write so many. I love them. I love them so much. They're so fun. And every year I get to try to figure out different angles and different ways to approach it and different people to talk to. And every year I love doing it. Um, partially because I really personally enjoy goal setting and all of that, and also because I'm terrible at staying healthy during the holidays. So writing about it kind of forces me to really think about choices I'm making. I guess that makes sense. You write about maybe, or hopefully, what you have a passion about, and I guess that's... Yes, so tons of articles around that. If anyone is interested, if you pretty much Google my name and New Year's resolutions, there's probably a lot that's going to come up, to be honest. Yeah, you did. Did you do one for Canadian Cycling Magazine? Yeah, it's actually in the current issue of Canadian Cycling Magazine. No, that's there... not also the women's one. No, that, that was... was the one before. Yep. Yeah, both were good. Good issues. It's a couple good articles in them. Thanks, dear. Anyway, today's guest. I didn't say your article was good. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> anyway, um, today's guest is my dear friend Jonathan Levitt. He's a runner from Boston uh, who, like me, grew up hating running. However, unlike me, he also grew up playing some sports. He played some hockey. He played some baseball. Um, But he always looked at running as just being this terrible thing. Then he moved to Western Mass, which I can definitely relate to, and kind of fell in love with running. Are we doubling up back-to-back Western Mass? Oh, we are. Yeah. Yeah, wait for next week's guest, guys. That's a hint. Anyway, uh, Jonathan is super rad. We talk all about how he got into running, how he shifted, and now he's you know really into ultra running. Uh, Jonathan also works for Inside Tracker, which is a company that basically does blood testing for people looking to improve their athletic life and their lifestyle in general. And they sort of facilitate, I don't know, if the, do they do the actual testing or do they, they probably farm that out, but then they're sort of the ones who set it up and then also analyze the data yes and there's exactly. that's where their strength is i think definitely I don't want to oversell or undersell but definitely but if you're i mean for most people the idea of like a what to get tested and then b even just how to go about getting tested is actually really difficult um up here in canada it's a pain down in the u.s i know it's a pain um unless you have a doctor that's going to test kind of everything across the board i think that's you're at the heart like you can get blood taken but in canada you have to have a doctor um you know even around a like i have a pretty good naturopath and she's pretty open to whatever but even there what they're allowed to order is pretty limited and then the doctor you have to convince them that any of these things you want to get uh so it's it's definitely tricky in the states you end up with pricing and I don't know even know how you would go about it in the states but exactly but then it is what do you get right yeah so we've both actually done some testing with inside tracker um just a couple months ago to sort of see where we were at and it was actually really enlightening I have to say I mean I think both of us generally were already you know feeling like okay we're we're pretty close to being optimal as far as our eating and our training goes let's sort of see what our blood work says because I don't necessarily think it's the first step in solving any problems by any stretch. I, I don't think so. I think it's definitely a good rule of thumb would be every year you need to get even a baseline of, you know, your red blood cells and, you know, all that basic sort of blood panel your doctor would run. That's now sort of includes vitamin D. But yeah, these panels that we ran were A, not super cheap. Um, so prepare yourself for that. But I think 
both of us, you know, there was stuff I thought I was doing okay. And then it was like my iron, my dad has uh, hemochromatosis. Um, and so he has high iron. So then I found that mine was actually creeping up high, which it had been sort of on the high end and it was always like, oh, you're an endurance athlete. But then it was like, oh, this actually seems like now it's like out of the range. Where's mine? Too high, which is abnormal, right? Like you never hear about that or rarely hear about that, even though it's actually quite common. Whereas um, mine was the much more cliched tank iron. Yeah, for female runner, endurance athlete. Um, so yeah, so I mean, it just sort of, you know, even irregardless of us eating a generally paleo diet or paleo plus candy for Molly, hey. um, you know, there's small tweaks we can do there, right? So, um, so all that to say, there was things that, you know, we weren't alien with any sort of major illness, um, but we got these checked and there's, you know, some, some actual changes we can do because of it. Um, yeah, so it's definitely yeah. been pretty interesting. And actually, Jonathan was nice enough to provide us with a code. So if anyone is interested in checking out Inside Tracker, we'll put all this in the show notes, but you can use the code consummate athlete for 20% off of testing, uh, if that makes it a little bit more. And I think for the US, that's definitely good. It, it definitely worked in Canada. Somehow someone came to our house yeah, and it took fantastic. it just one morning. We had to fast into the test and they came at like early too, like 8 a.m. or maybe even earlier. Yeah. Uh, and it was done and they were gone. And then a few days later, we had results on a website that you could see and they were sort of presented where the troublesome ones were and then gave you a printout if you wanted to take it to your doctor to, I took it to my naturopath. Yeah. Um, I should also point out, Inside Tracker is not sponsoring this in any way. This is actually No, just it's just sort us. of interesting, right? I think we're in a, a day and age where that stuff's going to be there right? and you have to sort of go after stuff. Um, and I will say like, if you do have a naturopath, especially who's decent, but a, a doc who's good, my doctor is actually quite good too. Um, a lot of these tests you can get as well through your doctor. So, and then, and I think even with inside tracker, the, the thing I was really impressed with is I could actually upload all my historical blood tests mm-hmm. and they actually input all of those. So now you have like this history in your, your file. So that was to me, the value greatly increased once you can see a, a historical timeline, right? So you could even take what you know already, maybe get one of their deluxe ones or get a big thing panel done with your naturopath or whoever, um, you know, and then just sort of bounce that off and and use that how you will. Yeah. And then I guess on the flip side, as someone who hasn't had a GP Mm -hmm. in And in the States, I don't know if there's a better, you know, it's probably the way to go. Yeah. Like I haven't had a GP in years because of how our insurance works. I haven't had checkups in a really long time. I haven't had blood taken since I was probably 21. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, this was all very like a new thing and you know, seeing a lot of this stuff for the first time. Um, so whether you're someone who yeah does have access to a doctor and just kind of wants this extra thing, or you know, if you're like me and finding a doctor is kind of a pain in the butt compared to this, um, yeah, yeah. it's been pretty cool. But yeah, Jonathan and I kind of get into a bit of the... But that's not all we're talking about today. What else do we talk about? Well, I was going to say, you know, for someone who says he needs to stop interrupting, New Year's resolution, Peter. (laughs) New Year's resolution. Well, at least I say it about myself. Um, Anyway, Jonathan and I talk a ton about running, getting into ultra running, starting to add more mileage without injuring yourself. And, you know, we do talk about about the blood testing, but then also kind of get into some of the specifics and some of, honestly, what he's seen more frequently as he's gone through, you know, thousands of athletes' blood samples at this point. So Mm. some of the common themes that he sees and, you know, some of the suggestions that he would make pretty much across the board, having now seen 
a whole lot of examples. And that's always, you know, people ask about genetic testing, which is not necessarily what we're talking about. Um, but the reality is a lot of these things are, you know, best practices. You know, what would you do, you know, after the test? And why aren't you doing those things now? Right? Totally. That's sort of always the... You know, there's, there's the rare snowflake things. You have low iron sometimes that you just can't avoid that, even though we have a whole cow in our, you know, there's there's things that, you know, if, despite your best efforts, it's not working out. Um, and, and sometimes we need that testing, right? But there are some practices that probably all of us know one thing we could probably do better. Right? Yeah. Oh, and I should actually mention, uh, for those of you who maybe heard about Inside Tracker in the Sonia Looney podcast, yes, this is exactly the same thing that she did. I was going to say, if, and if, this was, isn't, if this isn't an ad, then we're not getting paid enough. Yeah, this seriously, call us. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny that that just keeps sort of coming up completely unrelated. Like, we'd had Sonia booked in way before we even heard about this. Now, he doesn't run Under Armour uh, their run series, the one that got canceled with the fires and stuff. Wow. That guy's name is something similar, though. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. Jonathan, you may have some sort of partner, partner in crime in the running world. Okay, anyway, let's get into this interview with Jonathan Levitt. Jonathan Levitt, how do you describe yourself if someone comes up to you and says, what do you do? <laughs> That's a good question. Uh, first, thanks for having me on the podcast. Yeah, I'm excited um, about this. I feel like we've like known each other for forever, which is not at all accurate, but it feels like it. <laughs> yes, gotta love, uh, gotta love social media. Exactly. <laughs> um, how, so, how would I describe myself, uh, or what do I do? So, I run a lot and talk to people about running a lot, um, <laughs> <laughs> and talk about running a lot. So uh, I work for a company called Inside Tracker. We do personalized nutrition through blood analysis. And I'm currently training for my first ultra, which is a 50K coming up in about four weeks. Uh, hence the running a lot part. That's awesome. Which ultra are you doing? I'm doing North Face, California. What, uh, what made you choose that one? So I was... Um, I've been running i don't know for five ish years now and i spent a lot of time uh or i spent some time trying to bq and run sub three and i got i was just getting really obsessed with the, the pacing and time and time on the watch and all all the stuff that is that you know negative spiral um mm -hmm. leading towards not not enjoying running mm -hmm. uh, so i wanted to switch to something completely new uh i have no idea what my goal time is for the race i uh, was talking with someone earlier today and um my answer was my answer for the goal was basically i went across the finish line with a shit-eating grin on my face uh having had tons of fun for many hours Mm -hmm. um, and so that's what I'm looking forward to. And I've, I've been at this race for three years now. Uh, and it's just such a fun, it's such a fun weekend and it's the 50 mile trail championships. So it brings out a super competitive, uh, field at the pro and elite level. Uh, and then, um, there's a very large November project contingent that, uh, that races as well, mostly the marathon relay, but some of the 50 K and marathon and, and uh, 50 mile distance as well. That's awesome. And if your first ultra is anything like mine, you will definitely have that grin on your face. I don't know why you end <laughs> up with it, but you will end up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait. Oh man. So 
I keep hearing about the November project. I just in random people I'm interviewing for totally different articles and stuff. It seems like mm -hmm. it's just coming up more and more. Can you explain what exactly the November project is and how how did you get involved with it? Yeah, so it's really uh, at its core. It's about free fitness based on accountability. So it started here in Boston almost exactly five years ago. It'll be five five years in. Yeah, five years in November. Uh, so it started in 2013, and it was two dudes from Northeastern that had graduated a couple years ago, and they used to row, and they um, fell off the, the the fitness wagon, you could say, and they wanted to uh, they wanted to stay accountable to themselves. So they created a Google Doc, called it a project, and planned to meet at Harvard Stadium uh, to run uh, stairs. And if you've ever seen Harvard Stadium, the, the seats are, you know, I don't know, two and a half feet or two feet high. So we run up the, up the seats and down the stairs, and it's a brutal workout. Um, so they, they met every day for the month of November 2013. And uh, other people ended up catching wind of this, loved the idea. They put out some tweets. This was in the, the early days of Twitter. Uh, Marathon Sports reshared something and people started showing up. Fast forward uh, to 2018 and there are groups in 49 different cities all around the world. Uh, I think seven different countries. Um, all people who love fitness lo or, or don't love fitness. Um, but uh, everybody does it for, for whatever their own reason is. But it's, it's, a, it's a super hard workout and it's accessible for anyone. That's the that's sort of the kicker. That's super cool. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy when stuff like that catches on and I feel like that name makes it sound like it's some kind of really like deep philosophical like crazy thing <laughs> or like, you know, super charity oriented or something, but it's no, it was just like two dudes who just wanted to hang out <laughs> and try try yeah, working out together. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's grown through grassroots grassroots effort efforts. Um, they don't sell gear. It's all you you sort of know people based on um, what what's called grassroots gear, which is a spray painted November Project logo on on a shirt. So it's uh, it's pretty funny. That's fantastic. Okay, so you have the November Project. Um, you also have yep. that rest day brags. Twitter and Instagram, yeah. which is some of my favorite stuff because it's, it's <laughs> both funny, but also like a really good reminder. So how did you start that? So I didn't start it. Um, I sort of got, I don't want to say looped into it, but uh, <laughs> Amelia Boone is uh, a, an elite obstacle course racer and a friend of mine. And she was having a conversation with her coach, who's now my coach on Twitter, basically saying, you know, why, why do the punishing long runs or summit shots get all the love? Why can't I, you know, brag about uh, a shower beer or, you know, the only intervals I did today were laps to the fridge and stuff like that. Um, and it took off and we're not, you know, we don't have a, a product we're selling. We don't have, a, uh, it's not political. It's really, it's really accessible to literally everyone that exercises. Um, and it's really addressing a 
problem that uh, that exists in the social media world where it is that glorification of more is better. Um, and we're trying to say that, you know, you can't do all of the uh, hard stuff without the balance of, of the easy stuff. So I think where it came from was my coach, David Roach, tweeted, runners rarely think about the injuries avoided by resting before a small pain gets bad. When in doubt, don't run, rest day, save season. So she Amelia responded basically saying that people don't brag about rest days like they do about their epic runs, but perhaps they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so rest day brags is a, is an attempt to get people or to help remove the stigma of rest. Mm-hmm. Um, I took two unplanned rest days last week and two years ago or a year ago, if I told myself I'd be heading into peak training week and I had just taken two rest days, um, I'd be freaking out. But I knew that that was the right thing to do. I did a little rest day bragging, got a massage, bragged about that versus choosing to run and run through pain um, in order to just stay consistent to a plan. So it's sort of a two-part thing. Like there are the planned rest days, which are, which are hard. And then there are the unplanned rest days, which are, you know, a whole new bag of tricks Mm -hmm. that um, nobody likes. And, you know, people, people like or dislike uh, planned rest days, but it's those, it's those unplanned rest days that um, either make or break a season. Yeah. Or can make or break a season. Yes, for sure. Okay, so what is your best rest day brag that you've ever had? So I posted, I posted one super early on, and it was, um, it was something along the lines of like, I, I my girlfriend makes um, sourdough, and so she had made these sourdough pancakes, and so I made some joke about sourdough pancake intervals. But just yesterday, <laughs> I. Um, I was browsing Instagram as I, as we all tend to do. Mm -hmm. And I saw that, um, my favorite, uh, uh, recovery place here in Boston, uh, where I see my chiropractor and massage therapist, uh, had a, um, an opening for massage. So yesterday my rest day brag was, um, jumped off, (laughs) jumped off the plane uh, Uber directly to Wellness Emotion and got a massage. Hashtag rest day brags. Um, Ooh, so that's good. Was was straight off the plane right to uh, right into a massage and uh, and and took a rest day. So it was a uh, it was a good one yesterday. That's a good one. Peter and I are about to be in a fight because this morning he texted and he's like, "Hey, like." I could get you in with uh, our massage therapist Deb that we go see. She's like, he's like, he hasn't. She has an opening tomorrow at like eight thirty a.m. Like I, I thought you'd want it, and I was like, that would have been really sweet if you had, you know, been paying attention and knew that I was leaving at six thirty in the morning to go cross country <laughs> for the day. So, kind of so like, ha- yeah, like points for like trying to do something nice, but like minus points for clearly not paying attention to what I had to, what I was talking about yeah, exactly. the other day. So I think it comes out with like a zero balance, but I'm not really, <laughs> not really sure. Um, yeah. Almost, 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 almost there. That's, that's great. Okay. So 
in your in your getting used to rest days because i really want to touch on this because i think so many people listening can really benefit from hearing a little bit more about the benefit and like the positive aspects of rest days and you know Mm -hmm. why they're good so what are some of like the things you look for that say oh i need to take an extra rest day or like oh i really needed this rest day what are some of the warning signs for you that you would have ignored too (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and I used to ignore them all the time, and now it's uh, it's the complete opposite. Um, it's those little niggles that you sort of want to catch before they turn into a problem. Like mm-hmm. um, the the biggest thing with with training a lot is it's that balance between getting as close as possible to too much without getting over that line. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about the rest day is that it it pushes you back a little bit from that um, that threshold of having gone just too far. And and the point of training is stress, rest, recovery. Stress, rest, adapt. Um, so you you inflict this stress on your body so that you can improve, but at a certain point that stress becomes too much and that's where injuries burnout all that fun stuff can happen um so if you're if you're towing that line between uh i don't want to say overtraining but overreaching and um good quality training and and some uh, something comes up that's often the case of where uh, an extra rest day might play in now my coach is notorious for having uh, Mondays as rest day, as the rest day for most of his athletes. And I think this is a two-part. Um, there's there there are a couple different reasons for this. For me personally, Monday is my most stressful day at work. So to not add the physical stress on top of that, the timing is best to to mm-hmm. sort of balance the the mental stress versus physical stress. Um, functionally, he, the, his weekly training is, is a, a tough middle of the week with higher volume. Um, I usually have a very easy Friday and then big weekend miles. So with the Monday rest day, the higher Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, easier Friday, big weekend, it makes sense to have that complete off day on, on that Monday. So, you know, it start, starts you fresh for the week. Um, I always find that I'm, I feel fine about taking a rest day on Monday and every Tuesday I'm super excited to run. Um, and so I think that that's, that's where, that's where it comes in for the, the, you know, a couple different reasons for the planned rest day. Um, but then those unplanned ones are, are sort of hard to, I can't really plan for unplanned ones, but, um, it's in the, it's in the name, but. Um, yeah, it's really just, uh, I mean, for someone with a coach, it's, it's easy. I guess it's easier. You just provide the coach with the feedback on how you're feeling, uh, physically or I guess mentally. Um, ah, but and... see that, that involves like being honest with your coach and like admitting, <laughs> admitting a certain level of like what you might perceive as weakness, although as you know. Peter and I keep telling people it's not really a weakness to admit that you're really tired or you didn't sleep or yeah, you're and, feeling hurt. 
And that's the thing. But all of these cues are are your body trying to, you know, provide you some sort of insight into what's going on. Like if you're exhausted in the afternoon, that's telling you something. If you feel freaking amazing in the afternoon, that's telling you something. Um, so I like to overshare on the uh, coach athlete side of things because uh, I'd rather not make that decision myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I think it was David that that joked that um, if if you end up with a with an MRI um, without telling him, you owe him two hundred bucks or something like that. Like <laughs> there are there, there are there are things that you should tell your coach before they become big problems, and bone issues would be one of them. Uh, so like stuff like that. Like you know, you might be you might think you're oversharing. You might think that it's perceived as being weak, but I think the I think the the I think it's a strength to be able to um, uh, explain how you're feeling on a um, both physical and mental level. Uh, mm-hmm. There's so much. There's so much to be said for waking up excited to train versus waking up not looking forward to training. And a lot of the work we do with Inside Tracker is is giving people an objective reason to train less or an objective reason to back off or add a rest day or, or think about a taper period because many of these um, signs of overtraining are not just physical. It's mental as well. Like if you wake up tired or if you wake up, you know, dreading your run, not because you're nervous about, you know, crushing it, but rather like, okay, I really don't want to run today. Um, that can be linked to, for men, lower testosterone. And, and there are plenty of things that can be done to address um, that, like, readiness to train is what it's called, um, so that you don't get into that burnout or, or um, feel the, the negative impact of, of training a lot. Yeah, it's funny how many people, I think, end up dropping out of sport entirely or taking, like, you know, a two-year break instead of just taking – two rest days off i feel like yeah it's it's kind of comical for sure i also really like that you use the phrase like overreaching versus overtraining because i think overtraining Mm -hmm. has just sort of this very very like negative ramification around it and just like a very intense ramification right like it has to be like you've been training like 40 hour weeks and doing all like insane volume and all this stuff yeah but like overreaching is it just sounds a little bit less intense and loaded i suppose yeah i mean it's it's very difficult to overtrain there your body will will tell you or injure you before you'll you'll become injured before you can you know before you can truly run yourself into the ground mm-hmm. and that's sort of that that um coping mechanism or or protection that is built in that you know something is going to like you're 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 going to need to stop at some point before you get to that um before you get to that overtraining mm-hmm. syndrome or you'll just push through it and get to overtraining but it's the overreaching that that when done uh properly and and in short uh amounts of time you know peak training for example 
um, that's where the you know you can get some some really big gains as long as you facilitate good recovery and you're eating enough and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's let's back up. Also, I feel like we, okay, you're <laughs> you're a runner, but how did you get into all of this? Because I mean, you're not just a runner; like your life revolves around running and athletics. Were you an athletic kid? Did you do track in high school? What's your athletic background? Yeah, so I was a pretty average team sport athlete. Um, never really great at at baseball or hockey or soccer, but I loved baseball and hockey growing up and played both uh, through high school and into college. Um, hated running. Uh, <laughs> the only <laughs> the only swimming I did was um, in camp when I was desperate for for excuses to get out of swim lessons. Uh, sorry, when I wasn't able to get out of swim lessons. Um, and I, so I studied uh, sport management and marketing in college. I ran a, uh, an intramural hockey league at UMass Amherst. Um, so that was the extent of my, uh, I, and I played in it. Uh, so that was the extent of my um, uh athleticism in college um after college I, I started running i was going to the gym a fair amount and um i graduated in 2012 2013 i was watching the boston marathon um the events later that day transpired but prior to uh the bombing i was watching marathon in wellesley looking at you know all these different people shapes, sizes, abilities. And I said, if they can do it, I can do it. I want to run a marathon. So that's where the the first seed was planted. Um, Then the bombing happened. uh, And being a lifelong Massachusetts and and Boston resident, um, we felt it pretty hard here, or pretty Mm -hmm. significantly here. Um, And so the next day I put on blue and yellow and uh, the colors of the marathon that year and, and ran my first half marathon. <laughs> Not a great idea. I ran, I, I ran from basically the top of heartbreak, um, into Boston, into the, uh, to the finish line and back. Um, it was coincidentally exactly 13.1 miles on the route that I went. I didn't follow the exact route cause I didn't know it at the time. Um, but yeah, I ran, I ran a half marathon that day. Um, next day I woke up, basically with a stress fracture <laughs> talk yeah. about overtraining. Um, so then I didn't run for a few weeks. Um, and I sort of slowly got back into it. Um, I was working at another company at the time and our, our main customer was, uh, or were, uh, marathoners and people would always ask how to use this product. It was a sports nutrition product, uh, in a marathon. And I was basically just guessing based on other customers feedback. I said, may as well just, Sign up and run a marathon. Sign up and run a marathon. Um, so I did that. My my first race registration was the Holyoke Marathon in 2014. Um, I ran a successful half marathon in the in the build up to it, but um, that was my my start in into running and racing. Um, so that was yeah four years four and a half years ago now. 
Um, and it's been, uh, it's been a fun couple of years and, and it's brought me to some super awesome places and introduced me to some really amazing uh, people. That's awesome. Um, also, I didn't totally realize that you were in that Holyoke Amherst Western Mass bubble until just now. Or yeah. I forgot about it until now or something. <laughs> but man, every, yep. yeah, everything uh... comes back to that. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's gorgeous out there this time of year. I know. Oh, I miss it. But yep. Okay, so you moved from sports nutrition company to Inside Tracker. How did that happen? Um, that was really right place, right time. Uh, I was at an event that uh, Inside Tracker was sponsoring uh, called Executive Athletes. So it was geared towards athletes working in some, uh, you know, as executives or, or whatnot. Um, basically, business people who who uh, love to train and race. Um, so long story short, I was telling, I was talking to the CEO about what I was doing for work at the time, which is basically building a brand ambassador program from nothing to about 500 uh, ambassadors and about 100 professional elite athletes. And um, he point blank said, okay, why don't we hire you? And I said, well, I love my job, but uh, sure, I'm open to a, uh, open to a conversation. Um, and a couple weeks later, I had I had an offer, and uh, and I couldn't say no to to this opportunity, uh, which has been incredible. And and I'm surrounded by people that uh, that have a really strong mission of helping all humans improve quality of life through a personalized approach to nutrition. Yeah. And so I'll say, you know, when I first started looking at it, and I'm going to have you explain exactly what it does in a second here. But when I first started looking at it, my initial reaction was like, eh, I'm already like pretty healthy. Like, <laughs> I kind of know most of what I need to do if I want to like, improve, you know, more vegetables, more sleep, all that stuff. Yep. Um, however, like, I wasn't doing them let's be honest. So, mm -hmm. and actually, you know what? Um, so, you know, Peter and I did the tests and everything. And I have to say, like, I was actually pretty surprised by some of the results that I had. So give us kind of mm -hmm. like the, the elevator pitch. What exactly is inside tracker? Yeah. So we make so many decisions on a daily basis around nutrition and you go into a supermarket and you look at, um, you know, hundreds of and thousands of different options. And, and what we aim to do is provide guidance on how to make those decisions. And what are the things that your body needs in order to achieve your goals? So we look at food frequency, we look at exercise and lifestyle. So we understand how you're going about your day and how you're training. And then based on a comprehensive blood test, we can look at the impact of that. And then from there, we say, eat more of this food X number of times per week. Consider this supplement and this dose X number of times a week with a meal, without a meal, et cetera. Uh, look at modifying lifestyle in this way. So meditation, yoga, sleep, et cetera, whatever it might be. Whatever it's going to Take to help you improve based on your goal of boosting energy, improving sleep, reducing injury risk, improve wellness, whatever it might be, uh, we'll, our system will basically go through all of the available research that's relevant to you, and the output is 
basically the 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 three to five best things for you to do based on everything we know about you. So you'll have told us, like I said, all all of this information. And from there, it's a big if-then statement. So we have we have thousands of PubMed research studies loaded into uh, an expert system that's essentially saying if this gender, this age, this high level, this low level, uh, and goal is this, then show that. Um, so it's it's a way to to distill all of the publicly available science into action. And there's so much junk on the internet with, you know, hot diets for runners or worst foods for triathletes. And, you know, it's all, it's all clickbait and it's all not personalized and it's kind of dangerous to, you know, follow the the recommendations of like best supplements for runners. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, we see 50% of our female population low on, uh, iron, but that also means that 50% of those people are not low. Right. Uh, and in fact, they might be high. Um, and it's toxic to have too much iron. So, you know, just blindly following, oh, I'm a female runner, I should take iron, is statistically possibly a good thing to do. But there's also a pretty large chance that 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 is not the best thing for you to do. And in fact, it's the worst thing for you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so our system aims to, to take away that guesswork and really drive personalized decision-making around what you're putting into your body. Yeah. And then evaluate progress over time. Yeah. So I think there's sort of like two types of people that I think it's sort of ideal for, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I'd say the first type is the people who have already done sort of that like 95%, you know, they're already eating Mm -hmm. what they think of as like a pretty clean diet. They're already training, you know, maybe they're even working with a coach and like they're training well and everything. And they just want to get that, you know, eke every little bit of performance out by checking in. And then I think the other, other group of people are the people who, you know, know that like, yeah, the vegetables would probably be a good idea. And like the sleep is probably a positive, but just need that scientific validation that they're doing something unhealthy to themselves. And they actually do, you know, have these markers that indicate they need to be doing this stuff. So does that, is that right? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's about right. Sometimes, sometimes those, sometimes that is the same person. Yeah. You know, they're, they're an elite level athlete that still needs that cue. Um, but yeah, we, we, we work with a ton of professional elite athletes, both individual and, and team sport. Um, and it's, it's pretty surprising sometimes that, um, I mean, some of their values look terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so often we'll, we'll see a, you know, a professional baseball player that looks malnourished from the inside so it's an objective you know your values are crap um you're you're highly at risk for injury you're you know under by 2,000 calories a day which we've seen before um and and you know you're at extreme risk for injury um and and we've seen we've seen that person get injured so um and then we've seen that person or a different person or I'm, I'm generalizing here, but we've seen that type of person um, take the data 
make make some changes and feel amazing. Um, and it's it's going to work every time because that's that the system is is firmly rooted in science, and we're not going to make a recommendation that we can't stand behind. So a lot of times people have heard that I need to do this, I need to do that, but it takes seeing it, you know, staring you in the face to say, hey, this is your personal invitation to improve um, before you might be willing to make that, you know, make that change. Like, oh, it's not me that needs to do that. My sleep is great and I, you know, train a lot, so I'm good. Um, it's oftentimes the, you know, those elite athletes or non-elite athletes that a um, couple of things will have a massive, massive impact. We're not telling you to go vegan. We're not telling you to cut out carbs. We're not telling you to, you know, drop a food group, et cetera. It's really like eat oatmeal five times a week and take a vitamin D supplement or mm-hmm. eat fish twice a week and, um, you know, take a probiotic and uh, eat almonds once a day. So like super simple things like, like this, that, um, and and sometimes we'll introduce people to completely new foods. Like I had never eaten shellfish before. Um, but our dietitian suggested I give that a try based on the, you know, some of my, some of my values. And now I love shellfish. Uh, so it's cool that sometimes it's really just the, you know, oh, avocados. I've heard great things about avocados. I'm going to try avocados and become somebody's favorite food. Or it's, it's you know, oh, yeah, I used to eat oatmeal all the time and I fell off the wagon with that. Here's a good reason to, to do it every day. Um, so pro- it's a lot of. I'm just stuck on the fact that you live in Boston and you hadn't really eaten shellfish. I know it's terrible, right? I grew up on the Cape, too, <laughs> in, the, in the summer. and. It's pretty embarrassing, actually. It is. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh my god, I can't get past this now. Yeah. I know it's, uh, yeah. Um, but it's it not is, one of my prouder moments. Yeah, it is really funny to me how, you know, I mean, honestly, like elite endurance sport isn't really designed to make us the healthiest humans possible, like by any stretch. And I think that's one of the other interesting things, though, is with Inside Tracker, you can choose what you're hoping to improve, right? If it's your actual overall health or if it's your endurance. And I mean, none of the endurance stuff is going to be bad for you, but it's going to be more focused on how do we improve the markers for endurance training, not necessarily for your like general health. So I think that's super cool. We, we've, we've been doing a lot of work with goo energy and their, their group of professional athletes. And one of the things that we looked at, were what are the biggest problem areas within that group of elite athletes and how does it compare to the general population? So we have the ability to do research within our own database based on uh, dozens of different variables. So like we can look at runners that run more than eight hours a week and we can call them something different than runners that run, you know, three hours a week or, or, 15 hours a week or whatnot. So we looked at the goo athletes compared to what we called more of the average uh, or amateur athletes. So somebody who's not training, you know, eight, nine, 10, 14, 15 hours a week and pretty much the same problem areas. Um, so it just goes to show that no matter what level you're at, there's always room for improvement. Um, and 
it's just the you know the order of magnitude or the the potential impact that it can have um, at those higher levels or or not at the higher levels. But um, when you are running that much, really the biggest thing we've seen is that people just aren't eating enough, mm-hmm. and and just by adding another couple hundred calories. Um, I want to give the disclaimer, I'm not a dietitian. We have plenty of dietitians on staff, but uh, I just thought it was important to say that. Um, just by adding another couple hundred calories, this is something I've done personally. It's it's made a tremendous impact on energy levels, on recovery, and I'm still almost at a deficit, you know, despite thinking I'm eating literally all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if you're, if you're running... 40, 50, 60, 70 plus miles a week, that's a lot, you know, you're losing for, for a guy that's like a thousand calories a day that you're burning. Um, and the majority of runners aren't replacing that appropriately. So what we see is elevated cortisol, which is your stress hormone, lower testosterone, which is relevant to power and readiness to train and sleep and recovery ability. Um, sexual health, all that good stuff. Um, and it's just this sort of uh, vicious cycle that if you're not refueling and not getting it back in, it's harder to get more out of your own performance. And so that's that's one of the biggest takeaways we've seen across the board for particularly endurance athletes and particularly runners. Mm-hmm. And I find it super funny. I see the I see the same thing all the time, and it's so funny to me. It's always people who are trying to like lose that last five pounds or whatever, and often by adding calories back in, that's actually when they tend to get to whatever the the race weight or goal weight is. Yes, it's fascinating. So I took a look through my results with our dietitian in January, and I ended up adding an extra five hundred calories, and I lost a couple pounds in the next few months despite eating, you know, almost about 3000 more calories on a, on a weekly basis. Um, so it's, it's, it's counterintuitive. And one of the, one of the factors is that, um, the caloric restriction can elevate cortisol mm-hmm. and elevated cortisol can inhibit weight loss. So it's, it's that vicious cycle of, you know, intuitively, you think of calories in, calories out. It's not always the case, and it's not that formulaic, um, especially when, the, when you involve the hormones that are responsible for regulating these types of things. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's funny because, you know, the, the common diet advice is always, you know, like subtract 500 calories a day from your diet, <laughs> and you'll right. be at like a one-pound deficit, you know, like you'll lose a pound a week or whatever, but... You know, when you're an athlete, the other thing I've noticed is like, there's so many books now on, you know, diets for like, relatively healthy people, you know, they're not necessarily bad diets. But I start reading them. And all of a sudden, I realize, like, oh, this is not written for someone who's trying to train for any actual like sporting event. This is meant for someone who like goes to the gym three days a week for 45 minutes. Totally. So one of the funniest things I've ever seen on my um, so my coach David has uh, what he calls the adventure log for all of his athletes. And it's a, it's a spreadsheet on Google and the best comment I had seen on there after my first like three and a half hour run, um, was eat lots of fun food today. 
And uh, and it's just like it's so simple. Like just, I guess it's not that simple because it's it's a uh, it's an area that is really easy for some people and it's really hard for others. So I'm not I'm not downplaying that, but um, it's really it it doesn't need to be that hard. Uh, it's it's you know, food is fuel, but food is also fun and social and and all that good stuff um and and functional and um his his take on it and he's not a dietitian either but his take on it is um you know have your cake and eat it too you know do the good do the right stuff eat eat the right things but also you know enjoy yourself and and have the cake and and pizza and ice cream and if you look at rest day brag particularly in the summer um <laughs> most of the photos <laughs> we post are either somebody holding a beer or somebody holding a, an ice cream cone and and we're trying to remove that stigma of you know oh i can be a i i can't be a, a serious runner if i'm eating ice cream mm-hmm. that's like that's ridiculous mm-hmm. um yes you can um and and it's trying to remove getting back to rest of right it's trying to remove the the stigma around you know pizza and ice cream and cake and all this because um all these perfect plates of food that you see on the internet that's not what people eat 24 7 they're you know everybody's human and and what we're trying to do here at inside tracker is is to say you can stay with your current routine just make these additions or make these tweaks um and then with with rest day brags the goal is really to show that other people are doing this too and you're not the you know you're not the the odd one out because you had ice cream or you had pizza or you had cake or whatever it might be. Um, and I mean, even like I've, I've fallen into that trap at times too. And I, I spent a lot of time being super strict about my own diet. And, um, I was listening to a podcast recently and, and it was a dietitian talking with a coach and she was basically saying the guidance she gives is that, uh, that it's better to be good most of the time than perfect sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's so Mm -hmm. simple when you put it that way that, you know, you don't have to be perfect, just be good. Um, And, and I think there's a lot that you can learn from that around, not just nutrition. Um, Brad Silberg wrote a a great uh, piece. I think it was for outside magazine all about, good is okay uh, because if you can consistently be good you'll improve you don't mm-hmm. have to be perfect mm-hmm. yeah for sure i really like that um side note on the cortisol so obviously if, if anyone that listens to the <laughs> podcast is like shocked by this i'll be surprised but my cortisol is <laughs> a little high <laughs> go figure uh yeah i know really surprising statistic there um so i've been using a meditation app as per inside trackers recommendation um except i almost threw my phone across the room today because my phone updated the app um and it turned off the uh, the chime sound that would let me know when 10 minutes was up. 
So <laughs> there I was sitting, trying to be super nice and zen, and all I could think is like, God, this 10 minutes is taking forever. <laughs> Four hours later. But like, don't want to look at my phone because that means that I'm like not doing it right, right? Like, I'm like, oh so God. How, how gonna, long did you go? I'm going to look at it. It's going to be like two and a half minutes. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. 25 minutes, which like nice. I know is not a bad thing, but when you have, you know, a full day of things that you want to get done, and yeah. you know you're expecting the chime to go off at 10 minutes i was like oh my god this is the least zen that i've ever come <laughs> out of a meditation yeah <laughs> just so mad so it's funny the, the the meditation piece is is really interesting um we've started to to um to incorporate it here at our office after our monday meetings um one of our team members sort of takes us through like a five or ten minute meditation or stretching or something cool. like that and it, it just feels so good to, to take that break in the day. And um, I mean, if you think about it, really the only way to get that time on a consistent basis to yourself is to take up smoking. So like, why, true, why do smokers yeah. get all the free, free time, you know, five minutes every hour? But um, us runners and cyclists, and triathletes, you know, we have to work all the time. Um, no, it should be the other way around. It should be, you know, you, you should take time for yourself because it allows you to be better in, in all aspects of, of your life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'm going to keep doing it. I will report back to everyone how, how meditation goes. I've tried it before uh, like a billion times, and I've never been <laughs> super successful. But actually, again, as per the like why this is cool, you know, I don't really listen when it's something that I read that's like good for everyone. But when I can see my own statistics and be like, oh, no, this is actually like scientifically going to be good for me specifically, that does make mm -hmm. it an easier thing to convince myself I need to make time for. So that makes that. sense. Yeah, it's it's very cool. All right. Are there any other? So the whole, you know, you're probably not eating enough or possibly, you know, we're not going to say that's mm -hmm. across the board. But what are some <laughs> of the other like? common ones that you you see for endurance athlete types vitamin d is another big one and Which it's is so, so easy. funny uh, yeah we get a lot so we do a lot of work in baseball and so obviously baseball players are outside all the time and and same thing with trail runners that are you know spending hours in their feet in you know outside all the time and particularly for those two populations um we really See a lot of people that have low vitamin D levels, and not just like low, normal low, but like a doctor would actually say, "Hey, you should take a supplement um, because they're they're clinically low." So what we see with that is their sleep is impacted, their recovery is impacted, mood, mental health, um, all that good stuff can can be negatively impacted, and it's literally you know ten cents a day to to fix through supplementation and. Unfortunately, a lot of people say, oh, I'm outside all the time. I, I can't be low. Um, but below a certain threshold, it's really tough to get it through sunlight or, or diet. Um, the sunlight is fine for, for maintaining. But, uh, yeah, it's, that's one of the, the common things that we see. Um, cortisol is another one. Lower testosterone for, for guys that are training a lot. Um, women, we see low iron, low DHEAS, which is a female sex hormone, also related to energy and reproduction and, and mood and I think I said recovery. recovery. Um, those are the, 
those are the common ones. Um, and then outside of that, it's, uh, it's really all over the board. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it definitely was surprising for both Peter and I, like we both got very different results and stuff that I never mm-hmm. would have expected for me. Like even just having, you know, I have no issue disclosing this on the podcast. My iron is a little low, which is very strange yep. for someone who eats a fair amount of red meat now. So, you know, right. very interesting stuff that I would not necessarily have, you know, ever found on my own because I, you know, mm-hmm. I was like, no, I'm eating meat. You know, this might have been a problem back when I wasn't, but it shouldn't be now. Why is this a thing? And I never Yeah, and that's the thing. We, we we have a lot of people that that say that um and it's really an absorption thing and and it's it's definitely one of the most common reasons for someone to consider blood testing um, to look at their their iron levels there's so many factors that go into having optimal iron and it's all about nutrient timing and absorption and when you take it or when you eat it or what you eat it with and there's there's so much that is that is not communicated to runners about all these important things that have such an impact on energy and recovery and, and endurance um, that, you know, we're, we're just hoping to stir the pot on the conversations that, that need to happen like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With iron, I was so surprised at how many things can like, block iron absorption that are things that I would be normally having probably around when I'd be having red meat or you know when i would normally like if i hadn't thought about this when i would take an iron supplement i would probably be drinking a cup of coffee because i would be doing it at breakfast yeah so i (laughs) and it's just it's just one of those things that's just not communicated i Mm -hmm. was talking to an athlete um who knew that she needed to take iron on an empty stomach and she does a lot of fasted training so she would take her iron supplement right after or right before a run well, one of the best ways to, to decrease iron absorption is to add inflammation or <laughs> some sort of exercise stimulus. So she thought she was doing this great thing because, I mean, she was right in that you should take iron on an empty stomach. But it's this other variable that was unknown that um, was keeping the iron from being absorbed. Ah, oh, oh, it's a minefield. exactly all right so you guys just recently published a paper talk to me about that yeah so the paper the official title is a a longitudinal longitudinal analysis of biomarker data from a personalized nutrition platform in healthy subjects okay so what does that mean we looked at our database of, of tens of thousands of users over the last about 10 years and basically summarized it to say, does an automated or does a personalized nutrition platform improve healthy people? And we found that it does. Um, and so we looked at we looked at this group. The sample size is just over a thousand people. For comparison purposes, um, a good research study is you know ten to thirty people. Um, so we had, you know, almost 30 times that in some capacity. Um, so there's a lot that can be, um, that can be gained from, uh, this paper. We started looking at some of the associations between some of the biomarkers. We looked at, um, 
we looked at what what are some of the things that can be um, that we can understand as like what are the best things that people are choosing. So I can say that um, adding oatmeal every day is is probably the best thing that that most people can do. Uh, and then this this comes from the research that we have uh, we have done within our own population. Uh, and then there's just, there's a lot around, um, there's a lot around, uh, there's not a lot of information or research on healthy people. There's a lot of, of research on sick people. And so we're, mm-hmm. we're excited to have a, a pretty large database of, uh, of healthy people and can understand, um, what what does a healthy person look like that trains x number of hours a week uh, you know at at scale so it's it's a whole lot of these n of one experiments or or um n of one um, uh yeah experiments but just at a large level so it's it's understanding um, how do we take what each individual person is learning and apply it to you know, a healthy population. So an example of this is we looked at, we, we used some machine learning to look at correlations between biomarkers. So we test 41 different or 42 different um, metrics, and, and many of these have not been studied uh, in parallel or, or looking, um, looking at them together. So we can, we can see, okay, um, if your vitamin D improves, what are some of the other areas that, that may possibly improve? So if, if those areas are, are not improving due to the, um, you know, based on what we know about how to improve something else, perhaps we should look at what's related to that metric. So the summary is it's not just, uh, it's not just a, um, a one and done. The the results show long term improvement in in a little more than a dozen of the biomarkers that are most commonly out of range for healthy people, um, and it it really validates that the algorithm is effective in selecting personalized nutrition interventions for a specific person, given who they are and what they're doing, and it's really the first study of its kind. To um, to highlight this, there's a lot a lot of of companies that are saying that they have a solution to personalized nutrition, uh, or you know their diet is the best or whatnot. Uh, but we use the data to show that uh, this works. That's awesome, and I think like, that's actually something I've been talking to a lot of people about lately. I was doing an article on intermittent fasting for athletes and just sort of the ins and outs of that for outside a few weeks ago, and I spoke to Rob Wolf mm-hmm. about it, and he was mm-hmm. really bemoaning the fact that you know all of this, all of this stuff that's out right now that's like, oh, you know, intermittent fasting is great for X, Y, Z, is based on a ton of different, you know small papers that have been published that are done on clinical populations. So, you know, morbidly obese populations where it's like 10 people in the study that are 200 plus pounds overweight are seeing these results. Like that does not translate to a healthy athlete necessarily. So I think it's really cool to finally have, 
you know, something that actually takes a look at all of this information around healthy populations. Yeah, and that's that's the thing. It was funny. Our our team was uh, we basically had an internal education session around the paper and the um, the creation of it and what it means. And for those of us that aren't on the science side, um, the thousand people sounds great, um, but we didn't really understand the magnitude of you know the, we're looking at studies of thirty people and getting excited about, you know, 30 healthy people or, or 15 healthy people. Um, and here, here's a study on 1,033 healthy people that we can further break down into you know, very specific demographics to look at, you know, women age 24 to 36 that train like this uh, and have a statistically significant uh, population to, um, to research from. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's super cool. All right, I think we should we should wrap it up there. But people obviously need to follow you on a billion different platforms and should definitely <laughs> check out Inside Tracker. So I'm gonna have you pimp yourself out here. Find, tell everyone where they can find yeah. you, where they can find Rest Day Brags, where they can find Inside Tracker. Go. <laughs> awesome. So I like to keep everything mostly simple. So I'm JW Levitt on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and then Inside Tracker is Inside Tracker on all platforms, and Rest Day Brags is Rest Day Brags on all platforms. That is reasonably, reasonably easy to find. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. We'll have all of those links in the show notes. All right. Cool. Is there anything else we, we missed touching on that you want to put out there to the audience? Uh, no, I think that uh, I think that covers it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out WideAnglePodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week... Uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much. And we will see you next week.